Good morning, Austin Oaks Church. So good to see you. Name is Brandon Ziski, the lead pastor here. Our heartbeat at this church is to be simply about Jesus, and that's why we strive to help people meet, know, and follow him. Um, Real quick, I want to make a plug for Israel. If you've never been to Israel or maybe you've contemplated going, I want to encourage you to seriously, prayerfully consider going this coming June in 2023 to go to Israel. It is an amazing trip. It is so much more than just kind of like tourism. It really is. We, We curate this trip to follow the steps of the disciples as they were journeying with Jesus. So we take this kind of like this 14-day excursion, 10 to 14-day excursion where we try to cram in the three years where the disciples followed Jesus, and it's a powerful time. I want to encourage you to do it because I, I know, that, and I promise you this, that if you go and you come back, you would never read Scripture the same. Because you've been there, you've seen it, you got to experience it. And it's amazing to see that, man, what we talk about here on the other side of the pond is not just stories. This was real. This is historical. It is proven fact, and it's really exciting. So I want to encourage you to go. It's going to be somewhere in June 2023. Email Julie Kloss at austinoakeschurch.org if you are just simply interested and want to get additional information. Now, um, I also want to give some honor where honor is due. Like, look at this thing. Yeah, where's Derry? Derry Cannon. Yeah, let's get, he's a skilled individual who made this for this church. So thank you so much, my friend. Um, Why don't we go ahead, turn to Acts chapter 13. I want to encourage you to grab a Bible, crack that thing open. If you've got a smartphone, feel free to use that, but no other things besides Scripture. So Acts chapter 13, we're going to be camping out in this passage and chapter 14 for the next two weeks. Um, as I was going through this passage this week, I had in my heart, in my mind, my own desire for what I felt like I wanted to preach on. And this whole week was a bit of a struggle in terms of prep. Just life was a little bit tough this week. But like last night, as I was trying to get some thoughts together, it was like, okay, guys, like, here's what I think we should say. Here's what I want to say. And then it's like, God's like, just kept saying, nope, nope, nope. And so this morning is a little bit of a raw passage. It's also going to serve a little bit as a rally cry for us as a church. Because Acts chapter 13 is, is one of those like dividers in this book because it's a turning point now in this narrative where the first 12 chapters were about like how the church of Jesus Christ was witnessing to Jerusalem and Judea and started to get into Samaria and started to have some influence to the ends of the earth. But now we're going to see the Gentile church explode through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So it's a remarkable shift. So I want to talk about a few things as this is going to serve as a rally cry for us. So I want to ask a question. Do you believe God can and will move mightily in our time? Like I, I, I want you to truly wrestle with that because we're going to look at four verses this morning. And out of these four verses, I am praying and sensing that the Lord wants to stir up our hearts to have us become expectant for God to move in our time. Jesus, I ask that this morning you would speak to us. This is your church and we are your people. So God, would you minister to us? Holy Spirit, I pray that where my words fall short, your words would land. So God, if my words are incoherent or they don't make sense as they come out of my mouth, God, would you do a miracle and make it amazing? Lord, we're here for you. We want to be moved by you. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. In Christ's name, amen. There is no off-season. I love that phrase. As an athlete, it was a phrase that was used to inspire and to motivate athletes of all kinds to never take their foot off the pedal, to prepare and to train as if the off-season is way more important than the regular season. It's the time to discipline your body, to hit the weight room, to maybe put on weight or to take off weight, to sharpen your mind and take care of your body and all of those things. I remember my coach always saying to me, Brandon, how you practice will be how you play. And I never really believed him until I became a coach. And I use that same phrase, how you practice is how you play, because the reality is it is true. 
A lot of times the game is either won or lost in that time of practice, in the off-season of how you train, how you discipline, how you go about the, uh, the pre- preparation for the season to come. Champions are made in the off-season, in the unspe- unspectacular. The battle is won there. Now, you have to indulge me because as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a sports movie, the movie Miracle. And there's a clip in here that I want to show you. And I'm not showing you this clip because, because Kurt Russell nailed the Minnesota accent and it, he actually butchered it miserably. Minnesotans do not talk like how Kurt Russell did in this movie. Just saying. But I want you to watch this clip because I believe there's something in it that's going to connect with us this morning in God's word. So let's take a watch. 42 games in the last three months, 42 wins. Their main weapon is intimidation. They know they're going to win. And so do their opponents. about how you're a better team than they are, but that's exactly what it would be. And everyone in this room knows what people are saying about our chances. I know it. You know it. But I also know there is a way to stay with this team. You don't defend them. You attack. You take their game and you shove it right back in their face. The team that is finally willing to do this is the team that has a chance to put them down. NHL won't change their game. We will. The rest of the world is afraid of them. Boys, we won't be. No one has ever worked hard enough to skate with the Soviet team for an entire game. Gentlemen, we are going to work hard enough. Come on, quick feet, boys, quick feet, quick it. Work hard now, boys. Come on, struggle, pick up your knees. Keep your shoulders square. Push it. Come on, go. What if we saw our faith this way? What if we realized that it's in the preparation and in the training of our faith where our love for Jesus and our faith is cultivated and grown and strengthened so that when we look at this world, when we look at the mission that God is calling us to, we don't shrink back. What would change if we walked out of this room this morning Embracing and remembering that the church is the movement of Jesus Christ on earth. This is what I want to talk about this morning. And that's why it says it serves as a bit of a reminder. Because we have to be reminded over and over and over again that the church is a movement. It's not just a club. It's not just something that we do on a Sunday morning. It's a movement that has a mission that's going to partner with the Holy Spirit. And we get invited into that. God will call your number. He will tap you to get into the game. That's what the church is. The church is to be the body of Jesus Christ where he serves as the head. Church is not something that we just do. That is foreign language to the Bible. Church is something that we are. He gives a mission, then he forms a church. We are to be the movement of Jesus Christ on this earth partnering with him to set the captives free, to live and to stand for truth, to stand for righteousness and grace, to pursue peace and to be peacemakers and dispensers of mercy, to fight the cause of justice, to love and to care for the marginalized and the the oppressed. What would change for us as a church if we understood and took to heart that we can't be nominal, 
We can't just attend. Do we believe that God can and will move again in our time? I want to get specific. I want you to think about your role and your passion and your heart for this church. Do you believe that Austin Oaks Church can be used by God to transform the city of Austin? Do you believe God can use this church in your life to influence schools, places of business, to restore and renew marriages, to strengthen families, to help people break from addictions, to offer hope and a purpose, to give solutions and opportunities to the issues and the, and the brokenness in our culture? Do you believe that God wants to use you to push back the darkness as you partner with the Holy Spirit, to use you to see individuals in your life, loved ones in your life, to move from death to life? Do you believe that Austin Oaks Church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can still change history? Do you believe God can and will move mightily in our time? I pray and hope that your answer is yes, because that should influence what we do and why we gather together. One of the verses that I've been praying through this whole year, and I've been praying for us as a church, but not just Austin Oaks, but all churches, is found in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 12. Habakkuk, I love this, as he's looking at a really dire situation in a nation of Israel in this context. Lord, I've heard of your fame. God, I've heard what you've done in the past. We talk about the stories. We still teach on these stories. I've heard of your faith, and I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. They were great. I believe them. But here it is. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. Church, why not now? Why not us? So it's about more, most important for us to understand how we prepare spiritually will determine how we follow Jesus. What do we give ourselves to? What are we devoted to? And here's the thing, and this is what I want us to land on this morning, is as we see God move, there was one thing that this early church could never do, and no church still to this day could ever do. They could never plan a move of God. They never could have a strategic session. They could never have a vision meeting. They could never have a bunch of consultants come in, even though they're all great, and go, okay, what are we going to do? Let's package this. Let's do this program, this program, this program, and now let's have God bless it. You can't plan a move of God. But what you can do is prepare yourself for a move of God. And that's the big thing we see all throughout acts. We can prepare ourselves for a move of God. Do we believe that God will move? Do we believe that when we pray, God moves? Do we believe when we come together as a church to worship in the prayer and to gather together to serve? Do we believe God speaks to us in these moments and nudges us and maybe even calls some of us to mission, to action? How are we preparing? You see, this is how Acts started. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. The disciples are like, Jesus, are you now going to restore the kingdom? No. But I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because when he comes, then you will be empowered to be my witnesses. And then they waited. And that waiting wasn't a passive spectator type of waiting. They weren't sitting on the sidelines just waiting for God to do something. They were actively engaging praying, worshiping, rehearsing, and thinking through the words of Jesus, remembering what Jesus did. They were actively preparing and training their hearts for when God would move, when the Holy Spirit would come. So this, this morning, we're going to talk about preparation. And it's so important because next week we're going to realize that when God moves, the enemy moves. When God moves, we face opposition. Always. And it comes in many different shapes and forms, external, internal. But if we don't understand how to prepare our hearts for a move of God, we will walk defeated. Acts chapter 13. We're just going to be in three verses. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, 
Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mananine, a lifelong friend of Herod, and Saul, who is the Apostle Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4. I'll go on one more. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. The frame that this story fits into is very important for us to understand. In fact, Acts chapter 13 is one of those passages you go, oh, this just sounds repetitive to how Acts unfolds. And so a lot of times people just kind of skip over Acts 13. But there's something really important here that we need to grab hold of. Even though we're going to look at these three verses, there's something powerful here that just shows the DNA of the church leaders and of the church in Antioch. This has been about 25 years after Pentecost, give or take. This is a significant moment because now we're going to see how the church is being spread out to be reaching the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth to them was the Roman world. And we're starting to already see, starting in Acts chapter 10, how the gospel is beginning to influence Romans. And so now we're going to see how this is going to influence a Romanized city in Antioch. Powerful situation. Okay, if we go back to chapter 11... We will see in verse 19 of chapter 11 that it was because of the persecution that people were scattered. And a lot of people landed in, in Antioch. Some preached to the Jews, but there were some people who chose to preach to the Hellenists, to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. And it tells us that God showed favor, his grace was evident, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to Jesus. So we're starting to see how God's moving out into the Gentile world from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. They're preparing their hearts constantly for a move of God. So at this moment, now we're going to see something. The, the word on the street reached Jerusalem where the mothership was, if you were, kind of like where the denomination headquarters was, was the church of Jerusalem. And they heard it, and so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. This isn't the first time we read about Barnabas. He showed up in chapter 4. And we realize that Barnabas, is, he's a good man. He was a generous individual. He gave super generously. He sold his property and some of his possessions. And he laid it at the apostles' feet to distribute to those who had need. But here, Luke lets us know a little bit more about who he is. In verse 24 of chapter 11, he's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. I don't know about you. But every time I read something about an individual like that, I'm like, they must be born with it. Right? Like, oh, they're full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. They're amazing. So what they do, I can't do. Let's just read about this hero. Like, do you ever feel that when you read scripture? Like all of these, like the heroes of our faith, you're like, I can't do that. I can't be like them. Well, how did Barnabas ever become someone who was full of the Spirit and full of faith? He wasn't just born with it. If we understand scripture, right, he was born in sin, dead in sin and trespasses, right? Like he needed to be saved. And just like every single one of us, when we say yes to Jesus, we're created to a new creation and we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And some of that gifting, right, is like spiritual gifts and faith. Did Barnabas like devote himself to the way of Jesus? Was there things that he did that would train himself to be responsive and receptive to what God was doing? Yes, that's important for us to understand. He just didn't have natural talent. He leaned into the way of Jesus. What I love now about how this goes, as he saw what was happening in the church in Antioch, Barnabas goes to Tarsus to look for Saul. So like Barnabas is like actively looking for someone to do ministry with him. So he partners, he goes to Tarsus, finds the apostle Paul, brings him back, and him and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas now, been teaching in this church of Antioch for about a year. Dwelling on the word of God, worshiping together, growing in their faith. And what's fascinating is, the, is verse 26, what we see is in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's where it started. It was like the people saw these followers of Jesus, heard the things about Jesus, said they look so much like Jesus, let's call them Christians. And so that's where that name comes from. 
Now chapter 13. We see five leaders in the church who are full of the Spirit and faith. Guiding, shepherding the church in Antioch to continually prepare their hearts. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping. Actually, let me backtrack real quick. Because this is going to be important for chapter 15. And we talked about it in chapter 10 a little bit. There's beautiful diversity right here. Like, if we were just to spend a little bit of time, we see a Jewish leader. We see a leader from Africa. We see a Greek leader. We're starting to see the power of the gospel that's very clear saying there's neither Jew nor Gentile, right? All come to Jesus the same way. We're starting to see this beautiful multi-ethnic leadership in church come to fruition. This is a beautiful little picture that we're going to see have a significant impact in chapter 15. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, this is where I felt like God called an audible on my message. Because as I was looking at this, this verse right here, I truly wanted to get to verse 4 through 18 because there's some really cool stuff that happens right there. So that's going to have to wait till next week. I was looking at this, and there is one word in this verse that just grabbed my spirit. And it's not the word worshiping. It's not the word fasting, thankfully. And it's not, <laughs> that, was, that was a bad joke. <laughs> it wasn't the Holy Spirit or set apart the work. It was the word while. That word just grabbed me. While they were worshiping. While they were preparing, while they were fasting, the Lord spoke. The Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have. All the other words are significantly important, 100%. You see, this was how the early church operated. They didn't see worship as just something you go to. It was a way of life. Acts 2, 42, the church was born. 3,000 some new converts, what do they do? They don't have a blueprint. They devoted themselves, well, to what? To the teaching, to God's word, to prayer, to worship, to fellowship, to community. They just gave themselves. This is what they did. It was who they were. Prayer wasn't just a ritualistic form that is a great transition in a worship service or something that you have to do in order to get to the food. Worship, scripture, and prayer were the very means of how they prepared their hearts to be ready to receive from the Holy Spirit. It was the training ground to be ready to get into the game. It's a powerful theme we see all the way throughout Acts, over and over and over and over. They're growing in the grace of God. They're being with Jesus. They're letting the word of God dwell richly inside of them. They're renewing their minds so they can discern what is the will of the Lord. And they're constantly tuning their hearts to God. They understood the importance of what it means to wait on the Lord to move because they believed. This is key. They believed that God was going to move. They didn't wonder. They were waiting, preparing themselves for a move of God. And so when God spoke, they were ready. So that leads me to ask us a very important question. When you come to church, when you come to a Sunday morning worship gathering, or when you come to a prayer night, or even when you go to a small group, what are your expectations? Do you expect to hear from God? Do you expect God to move? Do you expect God to do something that only God can do? Or are you just coming? Are you coming to let the word of God dwell in you richly? Are you coming to have your heart tuned to his spirit together as a body of believers? 
Like, this is really important for us to, to be wrestling with. In fact, like, like, I think it's important for us to be honest. I think we don't really expect much when we come. Like, but, like, let's, let's take that one step further. I think even if we were even more honest, some of us don't really even know what to expect when we come. It's just what we do. We know it's important, but what is it about? So I want to suggest two things that we should expect and we should experience as we come together to worship. First and foremost, it is a time of preparation. It's a time where we get to prepare our hearts individually and collectively as a body of believers. It's a time where we allow our hearts to be saturated by God's Spirit through every facet, from worship to God's Word, from prayer to fellowship. All of that is to be tuning our hearts to Him, softening us. We're putting ourselves in an environment that is conducive for the Holy Spirit to speak. And yes, we get encouragement during these times. And yes, we receive conviction of sin in these times. And yes, people do respond to Jesus in salvation 100%. But this is also a significant time where our hearts are being prepared to be listening to the Holy Spirit, right? Like we have all these little pithy sayings, like listen to Jesus and do what he says. Well, this is one of those places where we get to listen to Jesus. Are we then going to do what he says? That's why I love this, is because Acts will always give us a plumb line of the purpose of the church. Church is not something we attend. It's something we are. It's not something we attend. It's something we are. And if that's the case, how are we preparing ourselves? How are we waiting for God to move? Do we, Austin Oaks Church, do we expect God to move? I want to stir up your faith through the Holy Spirit. Like, truly, do you expect God to do something in our time? I mean, we're in a pretty significant season culturally, aren't we? The battle for hearts of the younger generations. Do you believe God can and will move? So much hurt, so much division, so much evil. Aren't we called to be salt and light? Do we expect God to move? Then this is a beautiful opportunity for us to have our hearts prepared for a move of God when we gather. It's not just something we do. This is something we are. We're a body. I believe with every fiber of my being that there are people in this room that will be used by God, should be used by God, and God wants to use to shape politics, to shape our schools, our businesses, our neighborhoods, families. I believe there are people in this room who feel a burden from the Holy Spirit to be part of the solution to some of the racial issues in our time. 100%. How will we respond? How will we respond? I believe there are people in this church that God wants to use and prompt and stir up to deal with adoption, fostering. Do we expect God to move? This is not just a time that we come to do our thing, this is a time for us to prepare. And the second thing I want to talk about comes from the word worshiping. While they were worshiping. It's a beautiful little word because in this is actually the word ministering. As they were ministering to the Lord. As they were serving the Lord. So it's like prayer. 
is a work to God. Worship is a work to God. And like, you'd be like, wait a second, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't necessarily understand this. But this is where it's important for us to understand some of the New Testament doctrine about the family of God. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 2, we are reminded by Peter that God is building each and every one of us. He's building us up together, each and one of us, to be a spiritual house. Like, we are the temple of God. Like, that is our role. And he says, and we are the priesthood of believers. You can't use an excuse, Brandon. The job of ministry is for you and your staff. We come. Bad excuse. Can't do it. It's not biblical. We're the priesthood. And so that means we come and we offer, we bring offerings to him. And a lot of times, like, the biggest offering we can bring is a sacrifice of praise. Why do we do this? Because, like, this is going to sound weird. God delights in you. Like, God delights when we come and minister to him. Because in that, it's a reflection of our hearts. Does he have our heart or not? What are we giving him when we come to minister to him? So when you come to church, I know it's a little bit in our mindset that we come as the consumer. We come as the ones to be fed. But what if we also realize that we are coming here to minister to him? To give him a sacrifice of praise. To cry out the the glory due to his name. And realize that everything we do, we do unto him. And as we do that, we come with this posture of having our hearts prepared to receive from God. To expect God to move. And we then understand that we're also here to offer ourselves Friends, I'm telling you, then it's the perfect environment for the Holy Spirit to begin speaking. What do you mean speaking? Well, that can mean all sorts of things. That can mean nudges, promptings, thoughts that might be a little confusing to you. Like, did I just think that or was that God? No, he really doesn't want me to talk to so-and-so. If you're saying that, that's God. (laughs) Just safe. Do we expect God to move? Barnabas was a man that was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Well, how? He prepared himself. He was offering his heart. So important. Because as we prepare ourselves, I'm telling you, God wants to move. God is not done building his church here. He is not done. If he was, Jesus would be back. So we need to wake up a little bit. Why do we gather? We are the priesthood. He does want to use you 100%. While they were worshiping, while they were praying, the Holy Spirit called out. How many times? Seriously, ask yourself this. How many times have you felt God speak to you when you were doing something related to with him, right? Like when you were in scripture or prayer, how many times have you felt like God did something, spoke to you some way, some form on a Sunday morning at a prayer night? Show of hands. It may be related to what we were singing. It may be related to what we were preaching about, or it may not be related to any of that. It's about putting yourself in the right environment where the Holy Spirit speaks while they were worshiping, while they were praying. I remember going to Urbana Mission Conference. It was a big intervarsity conference. I was a college student. I'm a pretty raw new believer, maybe about like six, eight months into my faith at this point. And um, I was on this track ever since like I blew up my shoulder in baseball. I just went, I'm gonna be on this track. I'm a finance major. I want to open up my own financial firm. I want to be a financial advisor, et cetera, et cetera, because I want to make money, and I like money. I like numbers. I like math. And in one of the sessions, the speaker was preaching on Isaiah 6, right? And Isaiah 6 is like the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And and like, who will go? And Isaiah's like, here I am. Send me. And all of a sudden, the speaker's like, and God's calling some of you to go. And all of a sudden, my heart, like I, I felt in my heart like, I should go. And I'm like, he's manipulating me. And I was like, he just, he's playing on my emotions. While 
worship and prayer, being underneath the authority of Scripture, the Holy Spirit spoke. And I was mad, to be honest. I stopped going to the sessions. I didn't go to the breakouts. I just stayed in my room, and I wrestled in prayer. I made every, pro, every I did a pro-con list, and I had so many pros to stay in the finance field. <laughs> and I was just like, no, no, no. But it was in that moment, God's like, yes. It was like my heart was prepared and ready to receive. And it was like my offering to him was eventually my yes, okay. I immediately went back home, changed my major to comm studies because I didn't know what else to do for ministry. I think they talk a lot, so. <laughs> you guys were like, yeah, you do. While they were worshiping, when we worship Jesus, it puts us in the right setting to hear the Holy Spirit call you into the game. He will call your number. Hey, you're in. What will you do? How will you prepare? Friends, listen, especially now more than ever, we say that because this is the time that we have. Hebrews 10, 25 Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Why is that important? We just talked about it. We prepare our hearts for a move of God. We bring ourselves as an offering to God. That's our best. Let's not do, especially all the more as we see the days approaching. It's not just us to be secluded, to do our own thing, to huddle away. No, this is for us to come together, to dwell in the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to speak, tap on us, prompt us, stir us up, to go be a force of good in this world through the gospel of Jesus. It's in these moments, I I, I know in my heart right now, God's prompting some of you to do something. And some of you are fighting it right now. You're welcome. I know that because that's what God does. Look at 1 Timothy. I want to read this before I turn the corner and prepare us for a time of communion. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 10. This is all about training, preparation. Because how we practice will be how we play. How we worship the Lord will determine how we follow the Lord. I love how Paul says this to Timothy. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life of come. I'm going to move on down then to verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Devote yourself to them. Train, prepare Keep a close watch on yourself, on the teaching. Persist in this, for by, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You will make yourself useful. You will be ready to hear and respond to the Spirit's prompting. So many places in First and Second Timothy, you see Paul just urging Timothy, stay prepared, stay training, be in there, fan the flame, do the stuff, be a good soldier, be the good farmer, Timothy. So here's the question that I feel compelled to ask, and it's a little heavy. When you come to worship, what are you offering God? When you came this morning, what were you offering God? And it, it, And it's okay to be honest. Some of you might be like, I've never even thought of that. Because when we gather, we're bringing a sacrifice of praise and there really should be this posture of, here I am. Malachi chapter 1, verse 8 through 13. 
a dark moment in the nation of Israel. In fact, after this, there's this prolonged years of silence until Jesus came. Or better yet, John the Baptist. First, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, God rebuking the nation of Israel. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Now, the context on that, God told them to bring the best without blemish. Bring the best. And I love what he says. You present, present those things to your governor. Will he accept that? Like, go ahead. Present your leftovers, your table scraps to someone of importance. You think that will be pleasing to them? And God's like, that's what you're you bringing me. You're bringing me like your chicken bones. Like, he's like, is that pleasing? Will you find favor? Verse 9, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. In other words, like, just shut the doors to the temple if this is what you're going to bring me. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, because God takes pleasure in us. That's what it means to, to be a priest, to be offering sacrifices and gifts to him. He's pleased by that. He's like, this is insulting, he's saying to the nation of Israel. He's like, he continues, my name will be great among the nations, but you profane my name when you say that the Lord's table is polluted. But here it is at verse 13. But you say, what a weariness this is. How burdensome is to bring all of these sacrifices to God and do all the things that God requires. What a burden it is to come to church. I mean, I'll find, I'll go, but it's boring. Don't really, what weariness is it to go to a prayer night? What weary, how burdensome is it to be part of a small group? I don't like people. Right, like, like, that's their posture. And the heartbeat behind these gifts isn't the gift itself. It's the fact of God saying, do I have your heart? Because if I have your heart, you will bring your best. And that's pleasing to me. There's preparation and an offering in that moment. So what are we bringing when we gather together? What are we offering God? Romans 12. Brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercies, in view of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, and his amazing grace, in view of God's mercies, offer yourself. Offer your best. This is your spiritual act of worship. While they were worshiping and fasting, they were offering themselves as a living sacrifice. Here I am, God. They were prepared for a move of God because when the Holy Spirit spoke, they were ready to go. Their top two leaders, Paul and Barnabas, were leaving and if the church wasn't in tune with the Holy Spirit, they probably would have pushed back on that. But they all recognized the Lord is leading. Yes. And they laid hands in signs of solidarity. We are with you. So when we gather, what are we bringing? What are we offering? What are we expecting? And this is why it's important for us to celebrate communion this morning. Because the only way for our hearts to come to this place of expectation and to come to this place of offering our best, we can't conjure that up in ourselves. Like we, we can't get ourselves to become devoted to Jesus just by grit and willpower. We have to remember Jesus. We have to look to our author and perfecter of our faith. We have to look to the one who took our shame, who died in our place, who took our sins erased it all, who gave his body as a sacrifice to be broken, who shed his blood for us while we were enemies. When we remember that, we see the love of God and we understand again why we do what we do. So I want to encourage you this morning. Let's take some time before we take communion together. 
And I want to encourage you just to think through some things. Maybe you just come before we take communion and you just confess to God. Maybe there's sin in your life that you need to deal with that's really kind of just distorting this time. Maybe you just need to confess and repent of your low expectations maybe of when you come. Maybe you need to repent of God prompting and nudging you when you do gather and not doing what he says. But let's just use this time to remember Jesus because we can't force ourselves to do this. It has to be the love of Christ that compels us. So let's remember his love and his grace and his mercy together. Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take together. Do you believe God can and will move mightily again in our time? Church, let us not give up the habit of gathering together, corporately in worship, during our prayer nights, in our small groups. Be devoted. Prepare your heart. Train yourself spiritually. Put yourself in the right environments to hear the voice of God. Because I promise you, he will call you into the game. He's created you for specificity. He's given you a design and gifted you with the gift of the Holy Spirit to be used in this world. Not all of us will do the same thing. Not all of us will have the same burden. Not all of us will have the same calling. But all of us will be called into the game. Lord, I ask that you would move in our hearts. Lord, as we reflect on your spirit and your passion. Lord, I just pray that we would, in in a real sense, like recommit our heart to come in expecting it, to to believe that you will move again, that you are moving and that you want to use us. God, I pray that we would worship you like it matters and we would pray like it matters. So God, I ask that you would take this last song. May it be a sacrifice of praise. May it be pleasing to you and may you speak to our hearts, and seal your word. We praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and continue worshiping. We're going to sing praise the Father, praise the Son.
church. You can go ahead and have a seat for a few moments. Uh, my name is Lucas Jackson. I have the joy to serve as a student pastor here at Austin Oaks Church. And uh, as we continue worship, I just want to let you know of a, a few things going on in the life of our church and just to make you aware of and opportunities to um, help yourself and your family to continue to be simply about Jesus. And so if you have a, a, a baby, a child, middle school, high school, college, young adult, and if you're a seasoned adult, we have opportunities for you to grow with other people. Um, and uh, great opportunities. And a couple of those I want to highlight is um, the premarital ministry and the marriage ministry both. Um, so the marriage ministry is called Reengage. It's a great opportunity if you've been married just for a brief uh, season of life or for many, many years. My, my wife and I participated a year ago and really benefited. Actually, it was personally the best small group we've actually ever been a part of in 12 years of being married. And in, uh, we've been in lots of small groups. Um, and then we uh, co-led um, with the Hoffmans here at the church um, this past semester. It was a great opportunity. And the thing I love most about it is uh, the multi-generational aspect of it. So there was a couple of 
of younger couples that were just married, just figure honeymoon phase of life. And then we had uh, the Easleys, if you know them, they're a great couple. I think they're in their 60s. And so just the multi-generational aspect of that small group was crazy legit, crazy helpful, and really beneficial for my wife and I. So there's a few spots available. So right out these doors, actually Bill and Rita Davis in the back of the room right there, awesome couple. They help lead that ministry. If you're interested, there's only a few spots available to be able to sign up for that. So as well as um, the premarital ministry, the, the merge group. And so if you're thinking about uh, getting engaged or just got engaged um, or plan on doing that, maybe sign up for that would be a, a beneficial for you as well. They, it basically looks at biblical values of, of things of how to have a godly marriage and how to work through things and conflict and all those things. So it's a great opportunity for you to grow and develop those skills, preparing for marriage or even in the heat of marriage as well. So great opportunities for you. Um, please be praying for us. Our middle school camp starts tomorrow. It'll be uh, in, at Twin Oaks Ranch in Buda. I look around and I, I remember when some of you were at that camp, actually. It's fun for me uh, to see that when I see your faces. And so please be praying. If you want some specific names, um, you can find my email or just come up and talk to me and I can send you a list if you want to pray hardcore for students and leaders. And um, it's a joy. I mean, it's a, it's a ton of fun. And you guys support our uh, children's and youth ministry and college ministry like crazy and it's it's a joy and just thank you so much and um, so please be praying for that and I do want to highlight what Pastor Brandon mentioned at the beginning of the service um, be thinking about the Israel trip next uh, June uh, we don't have a date specifically yet but if you just come every week and never miss a Sunday at church you won't ever miss these details so uh, it's a great opportunity <laughs> I actually highly recommend you do that so um, and so be on the lookout. Actually, uh, for my international missions degree in college, I had, to, I had to have an overseas internship for three months. So I spent three months in Israel. So you will only have like 12 days to fit it all in. But it would be a great opportunity for you to go and would encourage you to, to think about that. And um, as we uh, wrap up our time here together, uh, thank you so much for your giving. We, the, the, the money you give, it helps us to advance the mission here in town um, and right, all over the world. Reynosa, Mexico, uh, Spain, um, the Dominican Republic, Africa, like you name it. We're, we have tons of missionaries that we are supporting, and it's, it's a joy, and it's crazy awesome to see. Many of you, we've dragged all around the world, um, and so you can see what God is doing all over the world. And so thank you for your giving. Um, it's, it's just another way for us to worship the Lord and being obedient to him. And so thank you so much. You can do that online, um, and you can also do it in the boxes on the way out. So if you would, uh, please stand with me. I'd love to pray for you as we wrap up our time this morning and pray a blessing over you and pray that we would uh, pursue Christ like crazy this week as individuals and as families. And so let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity that we as Austin Oaks Church uh, come together and, and seek you and to worship you and to hear your word proclaimed. And, and God, it, man, I have seen in, in, in places like this and small groups and, and camps and mission trips, I have seen you call people. You have saved people. You have, you have uh, given a passion and a desire that just will not go away. And, and you have done that in the lives of believers for, for thousands of years. And so, God, may, may you continue to do that. May, may we be obedient. May, may you give us a heart that with hands open to say, okay, God, that's a little on the crazy side, but, but I'm willing to be obedient. I'm willing to, if this is what you have for us and if this is what you're proclaiming for us as individuals and families and a church, that we would just be simply obedient. And may we encourage each other in that. So God, as we scatter all throughout the city this week, may we be simply about Jesus as individuals, as families, and our workforce, as, as uh, we school starts back, back up. Help us to motivate and help our kids to understand that they're priests in your eyes and, and can advance the gospel. And so God, may we leave here sent and motivate us, God, to proclaim your truth to the world. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church. You are dismissed.